Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoyed the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. As I think about that song and I think about the series that we're doing right now, this idea of fearless and what we're going through, the reasoning that we can live a life of being fearless, the reason that we can do a lot of those things is because of some of the words that are in that song. I am guilty. I'm ashamed of what I've done, of what I've become. My hands are dirty. How can I lift them up to a holy God? But yet it says in that chorus, you plead my cause, you right my wrongs. He's broken those chains. We can do all those things because he's the one who's overcame. He's the one who's given life. What a powerful song. I love it. Thank you for singing it. But as we get into this morning, I hope that you've enjoyed. I hope you've grown a little bit through the series that we're doing, though it's just a short couple of weeks, talking about the, the story and the life of Gideon. We, we left last week where, where we saw that Gideon had went into battle. He was called to lead a battle and he left with 32,000 men and he comes back ready to go to battle with 300 men. And we would look at that and we would think, man, what an awesome guy. He was a man that met with God and we spoke on this probably really the intensity of the sermon last week was just that idea that when we meet with God, God gives us a new life. He's made us new creatures and just the same with us. He did that with Gideon and after Gideon had met with God, he gave himself to God and Gideon just gave him a strength. He gave him a power. He gave him faith. He gave him exactly what he needed to go in to do the battle, to do the thing that God had called him to do which just a, a short moment earlier in the, the book of Judges 6, we, we read that Gideon pretty much thought he was nobody. How can I do this? I can't do this. I'm just a nobody. And, he, and so just in a short couple verses, we read the difference of, of the, the life, so to speak, of Gideon just a very short period of time. But all that comes to be because God made him a new person. And the same thing is true for you and I. When we meet with God, He has allowed us, He's made us new, even as that song just sang. I am guilty, but He pleads my cause. And so we look through those things. This, one of the things, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm different than you, but when I study God's Word, one of the things that I love about reading God's Word is we're looking at people that are no different than you and me. Just after we get through and we're thinking, man, Gideon is this awesome guy. He took 32,000 men and then he looked at another 31. He's like, you know what? Hey, why don't you guys go on home? We'll, we'll take care of this. We'll handle this on our own. Just after that, and we would read and we'd go, man, what a powerful story. That is amazing. That is awesome. And it is. But within the next couple verses, we kind of see that Gideon is just a man like you and me. I always love to read the stories of these great people that we read about and the characters, so to speak. Because within the next passage of Scripture, and we're going to get into this a little bit this morning, but I'm going to introduce some of this with this. He goes from being, ah, 
to the very next piece of scripture we look at it. And in verse number 9, again, I'm going to just kind of intro going into this, the, where we're really going to be this morning. But in verse number 9 in Judges chapter 7, it says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. And in verse 10, it says this, But if thou fear to go down... Hey, Gideon, I understand that this might be scary. But if you're afraid to go by yourself, is basically what's happening. If you're afraid to go by yourself, it says in 10, then go thou with Furah, thy servant, to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. And it says this, then went he down by himself. No, what does it say? He went with Fura. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. I hope none of your children are named Fura. But, but right just, just before that, we're reading the passage of Scripture, and we're like, man, Gideon is the man. He just told 31,000 plus to go home. This dude's got it together. And Jesus is like, or God is, hey, Gideon, I want you to go do this. But if you're afraid to do it by yourself, why don't you take your servant with you? So Gideon's like, all right, you're coming with me, because if I'm dying, you're dying too. And I just love so much of Scripture when it just, I, I, as I was studying and as I was reading it, that's just one of the things that popped in my mind. Gideon was just a man like you and I. He was just another guy. And Gideon was a little bit nervous. He was a little bit hesitant to go forward, even after all that he had seen. And God had just told him, hey, You've got this. You're going to be victorious. And Gideon's like, I think I'm going with him. How many times we've all done that? And I'm not saying that, that, that Gideon's wrong. And I'm not, God obviously gave that option, so to speak, to Gideon. But they, they come to this place. And Gideon and, and Furah are going down, and they're like, all right, I don't know what Furah must, I don't know what that guy must have thought. Gideon, dude, what are you thinking? You've lost your mind. Do you see what we're going down into? Do you understand the, the mess that we're about to get into? God didn't tell Gideon, all right, take all your guns and all your ammunition and take all of this stuff and go down there and sit outside of the camp where you know those guys have all theirs. He just said, hey, go down and just listen. I don't know about you. I'm not going to Iraq in the middle of war and be like, hey, what's going on over here? <laughs> but that's kind of what God told Gideon to do. And he, hey, if you're a little afraid, take him with you. I'm taking my buddy. I'll promise you that. But here we see Gideon and we see Fura, and they're going And it says in verse 12, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for the multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for a multitude. And basically what's going on, Gideon and this Furah are down there, and they're just writing. This is what we're seeing. There's so many men. They're like grasshoppers. Some of your versions of the Bible may say locusts. They're like locusts and just, they're everywhere. Have you ever seen just a swarm of insects of any kind? 
I'll never forget one of our vacations that we took as a child. We went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And in Myrtle Beach, I guess I wasn't necessarily a child. I was probably 16, 17, 18 years old. But we went to this beach, and there was so many crabs, it literally was like the whole beach was just moving. They were just innumerable. And that's kind of what he's, he's saying. These people are laying down as if there's like, there's locusts. They're everywhere. I can't even count them. Even their camels, it says. I can't even count their camels. I don't know if that was part of the oomph. If, you've, if you have an innumerable amount of camels, you are indestructible. But nonetheless, they go down to this place and they see this. And I'm sure in the back of their mind, to some regard, the thought was, oh, man, we're done. What are we going to do now? Let me ask you this question before we get into the bulk of the message this morning. Have you ever looked at your enemy? And maybe that enemy isn't like I'm not talking just a sports team as an athlete. I'm talking your enemy, the thing that you face, the struggle that you face. Have you ever looked at the, the face of your enemy, so to speak, and in thought in the back of your mind, how in the world do I ever get beyond that? How can I do it? Gideon and Fura, I imagine, maybe they didn't say it out loud, maybe whatever, but I imagine at some point they thought, how in the world, look how big those people are. They wrote it down. It's innumerable. That is crazy. And here we are, the two of us, sitting right outside of their camp, just kind of listening. But God promised them that if they would go, they would listen, that God would give them their enemy, so to speak, into their hands. I can't imagine, again, the thought of what was going through their mind. This morning, as we talk about the fight, as we talk about winning the battle, and we're going to kind of conclude this whole series this morning, and there's a little bit more that we could continue on with with Gideon, but we're going to to wrap up this morning in the idea of how in the world did Gideon win this battle. But let's take it a little bit more personal, and let's look at you and I. How do you and I win the battle that we face? I could sit here having coached sports and I could tell you that when I would go into a team situation and I would kind of get the the team together and we would strategize on certain things and we would kind of go through the plan as to how how we were going to conquer and win that game. But sometimes we look at the situation that we're in and we go, how do I conquer my sin? How do I conquer the battle that is sitting right in front of me? It's right there. I know I shouldn't be doing it, Paul. I love one of my favorite scriptures in in God's Word in Romans. and, And Paul says the things that I should do, I shouldn't do. And I call that the Dr. Seuss in the Bible. But he kind of goes back and forth, the things I do, I, I should not do, and I, the things I know to do, I don't do. And he goes back and forth for a couple verses talking about all those. And he goes, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but the battle that rages in front of us is real. The enemy that you and I face is real. 
And that enemy for you, it might be a divorce at home. That enemy for you, it may be that you and your spouse are separated. That enemy for you may be some form of an addiction. That enemy for you, it may be finances. That enemy for you could be one of a a million different things that the battle is that you face every single day. It could just be your past. Man, I know I'm a new creature, but I can't get beyond, and and the enemy is, is that. I'm going to ask you that question this morning is how do you and I win the battle? And we're going to look in God's word as to what Gideon kind of did here in this passage of scripture that really we, we understand that God gave the call and as we talked about that, we understand that God gave him kind of a new man, a new outlook, a new encouragement and he did those things and here we see that Gideon takes these 300 men, he gets into battle, and he wins this war. But how does he do that? The first point this morning in the message is he had a proper heart. In verse number 15 in chapter number 7, we see and it says, And it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped And returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Our starting point in any battle in which you and I face has got to be our heart in ready and and willingness to to worship God. Where is my heart in, in willingness to worship God? Am I willing to give my heart to God? Am I willing to say, okay, God... I don't understand it, I don't like it, but here you go, we'll start here. And I'm going to go into this giving you what I can. Gideon went all the way through the the last number of of verses that we've read over the course of the last couple weeks, and and Gideon has yet to, to come to a place where Gideon worshiped God. But here in this passage of Scripture, in verse number 15, he says that he worshipped. I'm going to bring this out to us this morning, but have you ever thought or done any kind of study on the people that have came face to face with God? And what has taken place? Because if I go through Scripture and and I begin to do a little bit of a study on the different individuals who have came to a place. We can look at Moses. Moses went up on the mountain, and what did he do? He got to see the, the, the backside of Jesus, of God, kind of pass through him, and then he went back down, his face was glowing. Every point in Scripture where somebody comes in a, in a, a place of face-to-face, so to speak, with God, the reaction is pretty much the same. Immediate worship to God, who our Creator is. You know, I would kind of say this to us this morning. As we face the battles in which we face, we need to come to a place where our heart is ready to worship God. Where our heart is in the right place. In Proverbs, it says that the wicked flee when no man pursues. We often get nervous around somebody that we think is a little bit more special or somebody that is godly, so to speak. Because we know 
are right and wrong. And we even make mention, I, I, if you're in the wrong frame of mind and you come across somebody and you're like, well, they're just, they're just super Christian. Or we become judgmental and we make statements about who, the, well, they're just so judgmental of me. And they, well, they never even said anything. Well, it's just how they act. Or it's just the guilty conscience that when I've done wrong and I'm not in the right position, I, I do certain things. And Well, our heart has to be in a right place of worship as we continue to move on in battle. And we go into thinking about that thought there. Peter, when Peter was in the boat with Jesus, Jesus told Peter to put down the nets on, on the other side of the boat after Peter had been doing this all night long and then next thing we know there's two boats that were full to the point of sinking and Peter said get away leave me I am unworthy of you God his heart became in a place that was different he understood the Jesus the guy that was standing and sitting in the boat with him In order to win our battle, in order to win your battle, whatever that battle may be, we need to worship. We need to come to a place and understand who God is. Again, that's not me becoming perfect. That's not me getting to a place and saying, I still don't disagree or I still don't like or any of those things. But my heart has to become to a place where I would say, okay, God, I know I need this. I just don't know what in the world that means. Here you go. We've all been there. And so as we go through this morning and we look at this, our heart needs to be in a place of worship. I want to look at a couple different stories in God's Word, and I'm not going to go through all the Scripture this morning, but as we look at this idea of glory, as we look at this idea of of worshiping God, glory, that name glory in reference or the definition would speak of God's beauty, of God's power, of the greatness and majesty and His authority. Moses caught a glimpse of God's glory in Exodus 28. Again, where we see, um, uh, we see Moses up on the mountain in the presence of God that caused his face to shine, that we would let our light shine. Solomon caught a glimpse of God's glory in 2 Chronicles. Fire came down from heaven the, and the glory of God filled the house. The priests could not enter the temple Israel worshipped with their faces to the ground. Israel cried, saying, God is good, His mercy endureth forever. Why? Because God's glory came down and met with them. Have you ever been at a place where you're just, it's, it's just that you've had an encounter with God, and His glory just caused you to break and worship in an understanding of kind of who you're in front of. I can't even imagine, I can't begin to fathom what some of these people have seen. Moses looking over in the burning bush where he gets to a place he takes his shoes off for he is standing on holy ground. Or Moses, again, when he's on the mountain, he gets to just see the backside of God and the glory of that he gets to see literally makes his face shine. The worship that comes upon him. The power of God that comes upon him. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, caught a glimpse of God's glory. 
he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He heard the seraphim crying out, Holy, 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 the earth is full of his glory. And then what did he do next? It says that he he saw himself as undone, as unclean, of unworthy to be in the presence of God. He came to a point and a place of worship. I believe each and every one of us desires to win the battle, so to speak, that we are facing. But let me ask this question. Is your heart in the place of worship? Gideon got brought to a place where he and and Phura went down into the, the multitude of people, the sea of people where they couldn't, but they heard a dream and Gideon kind of understood for just a moment and it says that he worshipped God. In order to win the battle, we must have our hearts set for worship. The second point is this, is a proper stance. Is a proper stance. If we look at, again, Judges chapter 7 and verse 15, it says, after that, that that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And I put this proper stance, just the idea that we must have a confidence in who Christ is. As I've stated, I can only imagine that Gideon was a little bit nervous standing outside of the gates of the sea of people. It says so in verse number 10, or in verse that, what I read at the beginning. God offered him, if you're a little afraid, go with your servant. He had nerves, he had fear. Have you ever been in any kind of competition? I've stated this often, I played sports, I love sports. There were very few times in my life as an athlete where I would look at the other team and go, oh, we're done. I just, that's just not my DNA type of, that's just not who I am. But there's moments in sports, and we'll take sports just because it's an easy analogy. There's moments in sports where you look across the field or you look across the court or you look at the opponent and you go, holy cow, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they're more skilled. Everything about them is better than us. We're in trouble. Gideon was kind of at that place. Everything about the other team, so to speak, was bigger, was stronger, was faster, was they were dominant to the point Gideon and the Israelites were slaves under their enemy. They didn't even have, and we'll get into this in a moment, but they didn't even have a weapon. Why? Because the Midianites had all of the stuff. And Gideon, when he went down to the camp, he heard that the opponent was fearful of them. I wish I could have went into the other team's locker room where the other team was like, man, that other team, they're going to kill us. We're over here afraid to death of what's going to take place on the field because we think the other team is just gangbusters going to destroy us. All the while they're on the other side thinking the same thing of us. We don't get that perspective in sports. But Gideon got that perspective. And when he got that perspective, he rose up, he worshiped God, and then it says that he, he it says, arise 
For the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of the Midian. Now think about this. How many times throughout this passage of Scripture have we already seen that same exact passage? We've read this three or four times already. That the hand of the Midianites would be given to Moses, or to, to Moses, given to Gideon. We've already seen that. God's already told him he, they, he was going to win. You know what? As a coach, I never went into the locker room and was like, all right, guys, I'm just giving you the greatest pep talk in the world, and they're bigger than us, they're better than us, and we're going to lose. No, I never did that. I would always say, we got to do this, 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 and this. If we do those things, we, always, we can win. Here's Gideon. All right, God, I'm going to go down, and I'm a little bit afraid, so I'm going to bring this guy. And he gets down there, and he hears that they're the one. They're afraid of him. Hey, did you just hear that? They're afraid of us. And he got up with a little bit of an excitement. Let me give you this. We're in the midst of a battle every single day. Each and every one of you has a battle. Whatever that battle might be. It could be fear. It could be your past. It could be whatever. And it, a number of things. It could be a sin and I've kind of went through that. But let me ask you this. Who wins? You tell me. Who wins? In the end, who wins? I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Who wins? God wins. Guess what? We are Gideon. We've went into battle having already heard and already seen and already read that God wins. Hey, guess what? You're on God's team. He's my coach. He's your coach. We've been told over and over and over and over, and if we were to go to Revelation, you've read it, we've read it, we've talked about it. God wins. But yet here we are, just like Gideon, having been told that multiple times, and we finally get down in there, and the guy's like, I'm a little afraid of that guy. And Gideon's like, oh, they're afraid of us. Hey, let's go. Hey, let's get up and let's go fight. Prior to that, Gideon was all like, uh, all right. (laughs) Hey, we win. We win. But we don't always walk with the confidence knowing that we win. I'll never forget times in my life. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget as a 10th grader in sports, going up against my first year in varsity. I'm, I'm playing baseball, and I'm going up against this team. It was uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. You may have never heard that name. If you, know, if you follow sports, you've heard that name. That's LeBron James where he went to high school. We're pl- now, he wasn't playing. I'm older than him. But we're playing baseball, and this St. Thomas Aquinas had five starting pitchers, three of which went Division I. Big schools. I'm not talking like little podunk Division I's. We get up, and I'm thinking, these guys are big. They're throwing the ball. They got gas. I mean, it's just coming, 80, 90. And I'm like, oh. Here I am. I'm a 10th grader. I don't know any different. I don't know any better. I'm getting on base. I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm going to figure out a way. I laid down a bun. I got the first base. I stole second. I stole third. I stayed there because nobody else got on. But here's what I'm saying. 
have you ever just been in a position where you just don't know any better to feel like, hey, I shouldn't do this? Hey, I'm not supposed to be, I'm not even supposed to be here. Hey, it's my turn up to bat. I guess my job is to get on base. I'm going to get on. I'm facing one of the top pitchers in the state. I didn't know any different. You know what? After the game, I thought differently. Because why? I kind of knew who that kid was. I knew who that team was. We face battles and we face so many different things. Sometimes I wish I didn't know what's in front of me. That guy's bigger than me. That guy's better than me. This is this. But here's what we have, or we should have. We should have a confidence in who God is because we already know who wins. Hey, guess what? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Satan can't, he can't do anything to you. He can't kill you. He can, we learned that if you've read through Job, right? God said, hey, you do anything you want to that guy. Just don't kill him. And what happened? Job went through it. But who was right there? God. Why? Who wins? God. Gideon, because he met with God and because God told him to do certain things, Gideon went down and he listened and he heard the dream and he goes, whoa, hey, we're good. They're afraid of us. Hey, I'm just going to tell you this morning, your enemy is afraid of you. Because you have the most powerful thing in you that can allow you to get beyond him. I don't have to live in fear of the enemy. Why? Because the one that's inside of me already conquered the greatest thing, which is death. It's already been conquered. It's already finished. And I've accepted it. And I've admitted it. And I've came to a place where I know I need a Savior. And from this point on, we talked about it last week, I'm a new man. I don't have to live in the past. I don't have to live worried. I don't have to live thinking about all those things. Why? I win. Gideon got up and he said, "Woo!" He had a new confidence about him. He had a new stance. He stood with his chest out a little bit higher. He I don't know if he gave a strut. I don't, I don't know what he did, but he got up and he said, Arise, let's go. The enemy's been given to us. It's in our hand now. Hey, and then we'll go to the next point. You've been given the same thing that Gideon was given. Now here's what we need to do. We need to rise up accept the call that's been given to us, and live our lives with the confidence in who Christ is in and through us. Because we can. Because we've had ears in the enemy camp. Have you ever watched Toy Story? I have kids. Give me a break. Where he has one eye here, and one eye somewhere else. And he can see what's going on over there, though he's not even over there. That's kind of where we're at. I can see what's going on over there, and guess what I see? I see that I win. So I should be okay. I know that's a whole lot easier said than done, but the reality is, church, the reality of, of it is, as an individual, 
Just like Gideon, we should walk with the confidence because we know who it is and we know the end and we win. In order to win the battle, I must have an assured confidence in the Lord. The next point is a proper position. In order to win the battle, I must have a proper position. Am I willing to go or to do where or what I'm needed to go or do? Am I willing to do that thing? Are you willing to do that thing? Gideon, at this point, comes back to the people and After he had said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian, he comes in 16 and it says, And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Now that's one heck of an arsenal right there. I've got a lamp, I've got a pitcher, and I know how to use it. Like, what do you do there? Like, hey, ching. But here's what it is. He gave them all a position. He said, all right, this hundred, you go over there. Hey, this hundred, you go over there. And this hundred, you go over there. And you guys have already left. You were afraid or you didn't drink the water right. But he goes through this and he gives them a position and he tells them where to go. You know what's interesting and I just kind of doing in some of my study. You would think, hey, there's a hundred people you're going to go over there and you're all going to kind of line up against and say a hundred long. No, literally when it said the hundred to go, it was as if like a hundred went there and the next person within that hundred wasn't even really hardly visible because the idea was to make it look like they encamped the whole place. And so it wasn't like there was just a line of 300 people with a lamp. No, it's like a light here. And then all the way over there, there's another light. And then all the way over there, there's another light. And it looked like lights and the sound came from everywhere. So I'd imagine as I take my, this isn't a lamp, but I'll take my lamp and my trumpet and I'm going over here and I'm thinking, man, I can't see anybody else. Gideon, you have lost your mind. Here I stand. I'm taking my proper position. In our world today and in our church today, we've all been given a position to stand on. Are you in the proper position? What are you doing for Christ? Where are you serving? What are you doing at home? What is the position that God has given you. Gideon came to those 300 and he was like, all right, you guys do this, you do this, you do this, and then you just wait on me. And we'll get to that at the end. But we all have a position to be in. If one of them did not do the thing they were supposed to do in their proper position, I don't know what would have happened if 299 would have went in and the, the 300th just kind of failed at the position that they were holding. But... Where we sit, I have to be in my proper position. You know, in order for this church to function, we have to have people in their proper position. If you all would have came to church today, and I'm the only one that would have done anything, you would have all recognized and noticed people weren't where they were supposed to be. 
There was nobody greeting at the door. There was nobody in the nursery. There was nobody for the children. There was nobody. Nobody came the last month to clean the bathrooms. Nobody's cleaned the facility. No one's done anything. You would all quickly go, uh, not going to that place. But it takes people to be in a proper position to do the things that get done anywhere, but especially in a church setting, in your Christian life, in the battle that you're facing, you've got to have the proper heart of worship. You've got to have the proper stance and the confidence that God is the one that's kind of behind this whole thing. And then I just have to go and do the thing that I'm supposed to go and do. I have to be in my position every single time and every single day, regardless of what that position might be. We all have it. In order to win the battle, I must be in my proper position. And I've got two more quick ones. The next thing that I must do is I must, or have, is I must have proper equipment. And again, in this day and age, what we're looking at with with this fight and within this battle that we're looking at, Gideon says, 300, you go here, you go here, you go here. And then he says, and put a tr- or he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. You know, sometimes I think we lose in our battles because I think I have to have all of these things. And I end up with the wrong equipment. What if Gideon was like, God, you have completely lost your mind. A trumpet, a lamp, and a pitcher? And we're going to battle with that? All right, guys, here we go. 300 of you. You go there, you go there, you go there. Make sure that you take your sword. Make sure that you take this and make sure you take that. What happens? They lose. But that's the stuff you have to take into war. We have to have proper armor. We have to have this. We have to have that. We all go to battle on a daily basis, many, many times, I believe, thinking that we have to have all of this stuff, and we lose. We do it at home. I've got to have the nice car. I've got to have the better house. I've got to have the nice clothes. I've got to have, and we go, and we, man... I did it when I was 18 years old. I graduated high school. Man, I blew more money. Why? I thought I needed it. I thought to go into this thing as an adult, I have to have the cool car. I don't know that I had a cool car, but I thought it was cool. So I went and got me a, it wasn't brand new, but I got me a car. And I spent loads of money on clothes and shoes and my girlfriend It worked. She's not my wife, but it was so much money. I don't think it would have mattered. But we think we need so many different things. Even in our spiritual battles, I think sometimes we think we need certain things, and we don't. Here's what you need. You need to have a heart of worship. You need to be confident in who Christ is. You need to be in the proper position. And all of those things give you the right things. You know what? I have God's word. I have people to encourage me. 
I don't know what else I need. Yeah, I need clothes. I need food. I get that. But when it comes to my spiritual life, I don't need all of these extra things. I don't need, what do I need? I need my heart to be in tune with God. And when my heart's in tune with God and I got this, I can, I can manage. So I need to make sure that I have proper equipment. And last point this morning is I need to make sure that I have proper timing. One of the, if not the hardest thing for most all of us that sit in this room is yours and mine, patience. Ouch. I hate that. Have you ever just been at home? If you have kids, you ever just been at home and you're like, you've lost your mind. I, I don't know how my wife does it. Four children. I come home after about 30 minutes of them jumping around, screaming and yelling. I'm like, ah, just leave me alone. And my wife's like, I get that every day, all day. And I'm like, shut up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that from the pulpit, but I did. But we, we get to that place. Our patience is just, okay, I'm, I've been worn thin. I have no more patience. The next person that walks into my office is just going to... So if you come in Monday morning... No, I'm just kidding. But you get what I'm saying. We get to that place in our patience. We don't, we don't understand the patience of God. Because God is patience. It's His timing. We're like, God... Hey, I got to get up and I have to have an answer at 6 o'clock in the morning. You better give me something now. 5.59, you're like, God, come on, where are you? 6 o'clock, it's like, oh, okay, there you are. Again, going back, if, if, the, if the children of Israel would have not listened and they wouldn't have taken the, the trumpet and the horn or the trumpet and the the lamp and the pitcher. They probably would have failed. Why? Because they didn't obey. But what if 10 of the men that were there were like, you know what? This thing's pretty cool. I don't know if that's what it sounded like. But if they, were, they just didn't listen to Gideon saying, listen, you follow my lead. As I do this, you do it in your camp. It's all destruction. We don't read about the story of Gideon and the amazing feat that it was. Because they didn't listen and have the patience to wait. I don't know if this is a simple prescription to win the battle, but it kind of makes sense to me that if we worship God and our heart is right and in tune with who He is, if from there we have a proper heart, if from there we understand and our confidence is in who Christ is, and I'm in the right position, I'm using the right equipment, and I wait on God, I think I can win a couple battles. The battle that I face with sin, or the battle that I face with my finances, or the battle that I face within my family, or the battle that I face because of my past, or the battle that I face in all of those things, if I go in it and my heart is right in worship, and I'm standing saying, God, I don't get it, but I know you are God. I know that you are who you say you are, and I'm going to have confidence in that. And then, God, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to put myself in the right position. And God, based on that, I'm going to to do all that I can to get the tools and equip myself 
just how you would want me to do it. And God, I'm just going to wait on you. I think the battles that we face on a regular basis would completely and drastically change. I know they would. Because otherwise it's, well, I know that I can do this. And I know that I can do this, and I can do that, and I continue to go forward, and I'm just going to work a couple extra more hours, and I'm going I'm to make sure that I discipline a little bit more at home, and I'm going to make sure that I do this. And, and we go through all of those things, and at the end of the day, I've done everything, and the situation has never changed because it's all about what I can do. And God just says, here I am. Hey, I'm just waiting for you. You know, there's times at home where I think, I just need to discipline my kids a little more. I need to discipline my kids a little bit more. Sometimes I just need to have a little bit more patience and be obedient to God. And when I'm doing right, my kids will fall right under line. Not because I gave them an extra spanking. Not because I gave them an extra five minutes in timeout. Not because they looked at dad and they cowered. Not because of any of those things. But because why? I'm right and it just follows through. Whatever the battle is that you face this morning, whatever that thing is, let me ask you, where is your heart? Where is your confidence? Where is your stance? Where are you positioning yourself? What equipment are you using and are you willing and are you just waiting on who God is? Just for God's time. I think that's a decent formula to win a battle. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.